0: Good afternoon and welcome to Dateline New Haven on FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines and the stories that make New Haven tick. A lot of people, when they talk about what makes New Haven tick, they think what makes us special is pizza or having a school where right-wing Supreme Court justices study before they destroy the country. But in fact, one thing you could say about New Haven and no other city in Connecticut is that we have public financing for mayoral races. We run clean funded races for mayor we've been doing it since the first decade of this century and today there's a new report out we're going to discuss about how it's all going the democracy fund is the agency that administers our public financing program and we have the uh administrator of the democracy fund ellie heimer and two of the board members sarah fika and aaron good here to talk to us about this new report and do it check in with the Health of Public Financing and Clean Elections in New Haven. Good morning, everyone, and thank. good I mean, afternoon, and thanks so much for coming on air.
1: Thank you Hello. for having us.
0: Good to be here. All right, we got Aaron Wade in there. I want to make sure we heard everybody's <laughs> voice before we go on. So here is the title of the blockbuster. New Haven Democracy Fund Progress and Metrics. It's written by Zoe Becker, and it covers the last 12 years, six election cycles with uh, public financing. How did Zoe Becker come to write this, and who is Zoe Becker?
1: So the board uh, went, let's step back one step. Uh, last year, the board was invited to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico for a conference of public finance administrators. Really? Nationally, yes. Um, and one of the things that we talked about at that conference, which Erin Good and I both attended, um, was metrics for success of public campaign finance programs. Um, and considering that the Democracy Fund had been around for about 15 years, we felt that it was time to sort of look at the program and see what our metrics showed us. What, you know, what successes had we had? What successes should we be aiming for? Um, and, you know, what are some of the areas where maybe we weren't you know, being as effective as we had hoped or that we wanted to be. So Zoe uh, was our data analyst. She's a senior at Bowdoin University out of Maine. She responded to um, a, you know, request for uh, a summer position um, to do some data analysis. um, And as a result, came up with this paper um, after doing analysis for about three months and um, was paid through the Democracy Fund to do that work.
0: It was kind of fun to look through this report because having filed this issue, starting with the ethics scandals in City Hall in the 90s and as a response to that, the way business was done in all cities, not just New Haven, where the person who is getting a, co- a no-bid contract from the city is very controversial will also be the campaign finance chairperson who will raise large contracts from people who... Contributions people who do business with the city it didn't just happen in New Haven. We you know, but because it became a scandal in New Haven We our legislators decided to try to put together probably find try to make it work, which is hard in the details It's all good in concept. It's hard deal in, in our program Maybe if one of you could just tell the basic rules if because of Buckley versus Vallejo a Supreme Court Decision that said that giving money is free speech you can't stop someone from giving a lot of money to a campaign, but You can put rules to give public money for people who agree to abide by the rules. We have a voluntary opt-in system. Mm -hmm. So what's the most, if you opt in and say, I'm going to get money from the government to run my campaign, what do you have to agree to do? Uh,
1: So there's a couple of things that we ask you to do. Um, The first is that we ask you to limit your contributions from individuals uh, down from the state maximum, which is $1,000, to $445 dollars. So a little less than half. Um, we ask you not to accept contributions from special interest groups, from political action committees, PACs, um, from you know other outside entities, contractors, businesses, um, to only accept contributions from individuals. Um, And in and to to make sure that you record every single contribution on your campaign filings, you don't lump them together into a small donations category. Um, And so because, you know, we're asking for that limitation and we're asking you for maximum transparency into your records um, in exchange, we match the first thirty five dollars of every contribution from a registered New Haven voter um, two to one. And we also provide a grant after you achieve ballot access of $23,000.
2: Another
0: another thing that we require of candidates is to participate in a debate. Correct. Which is really important. You know, Aaron, tell me if you guys have noticed this, any of you. Is it your sense that it used to be if you ran for office, it was kind of understood you're going to debate? Sort of a norm of life. Like you got, okay, I'm going to, I remember talking to some politicians tell me, okay, I know I have to do a debate. Do people, if they're not in the Democracy Fund, still feel they need to. Because I've been shocked sometimes when people ask us to hold a debate, and the other people say, "I don't need to. I'm not going to lose. I don't want to like get up there and have to talk to people."
2: Yeah, have I, you think, I think that pe- either? people you that trend. I, I, I yeah, absolutely. And I think you have a few things going on there. One is people feel like they can get out their message in other ways, like through through social much media, much more effective than they used to. Yeah, or you know, um, just posting on social media or doing a podcast or things like that. I mean, I think you you see that in in. The, presidential, right? I mean, you see it at all levels. I mean, of DeSantis
0: from the beginning has said, even as governor, I don't really have to talk to anyone I don't want to talk to. I don't have to answer any questions I don't want to have to answer.
2: Yeah, you, you, you're just speaking to partisan media and and, and in an, in an echo chamber. I think another thing you see going on is uh, you know certain groups like for example the League of Women Voters which used to moderate a lot of debates and still does at the local level in Connecticut for, for various reasons has come to be perceived as taking stands on issues or being partisan. Because so a,
0: with their old definition partisan is that you should let everybody be heard and you should have civil debate which is now considered I guess a partisan position yeah.
2: well i mean spec- with respect to the league specifically uh, they are scrupulously nonpartisan, but they do take stands on certain issues in ways that are perceived they want through... people to vote and
0: there's now one party that's coming against it.
2: <laughs> well that you know they're like for gun control so okay. if if you want to perceive that as supporting one party um you can certainly see it through that yeah, lens sure. but I, I mean the larger issue is that some of the sort of traditional gatekeepers or kind of um, g- groups that would moderate or set up these debates have been caught up in the kind of very polarized atmosphere that we, we have in society. And, and that leads to people rejecting the idea of a of a fair moderator and, okay, I'm not going to participate in these debates anymore.
0: Well, we're talking about public finance and clean elections in New Haven, They're the people from the Democracy Fund and their new report, Democracy Fund Progress and metrics here on Dateline, New Haven, WNHHFM. So here's some of your fine takeaways. As I understood the takeaways, it can condemn the two words. It's working. People are participating in the system. Not everybody, but what strikes me is an incumbent who could raise a lot more money. feels he, he needs to participate. In 2011, John DeStefan, who created the funding part, did not participate because he felt he had a strong opponent, so he'd raise more money by being able to hit up contractors for more money. But We have incumbents participating, and you found out that people who participate raise 28% more in in in-town donations than people who don't participate. So that means if you're running public, you could raise more money from people in New Haven than if you don't. Is that the conclusion, or is that not a cause and effect?
1: Well, so one of the things that we do is we reward candidates for raising money from registered right. New Haven voters. And so we incentivize them to talk to people locally. So
0: it looks them to, So that 28%, does that include the match? Or is it just that they pay more attention to local people so they can get that match?
1: That's, that's just the sheer number of individuals. And, yeah, but,
0: and how do you compare that? Is that the total number raised in town from used to be? Or is it more than the people who don't participate? What does twenty-eight percent more mean?
2: Yeah, so so I can I can take that. So what we what the study found, uh, what the report found is that for participating candidates, ninety percent of the both the the number the donations, the individual donations, and the total amount raised is coming from within New Haven. Mm-hmm. So it's like ninety percent of the total amount raised and ninety-three percent of the number of donations. Okay, and that's it. And what the twenty-eight percent is comparing that to non-participating candidates, oh, okay. where you find it's just above half of the the total amount raised for non-participating candidates is coming from New Haven. In other words, almost half of the amount of money raised by non-participating candidates is coming from the suburbs and the reason from we Hartford. Like that is from, that
0: we want people from New Haven deciding. What, who runs and how they run, having more influence than people who aren't from New Haven, that they know is coming here to make a buck? Is that sort of the well, idea? The,
1: the specific goal when they created the Democracy Fund was to give New Haven residents more control over
0: the mm-hmm. election
1: of their mayor.
0: Not let a person come from out of town and say, because I work for, let's say, a big national consulting firm, I can raise a lot of money and buy the office with the agenda that people gave me that money.
2: Yeah, most of the donations that are coming from outside of New Haven. Well, number one, the study actually looks at this, and it shows that for non-participating candidates, uh, 64% of the total amount raised uh, is coming from donations larger than $445 dollars. So a lot of their money is not just coming from outside New Haven, but it's coming
0: in very large chunks. Right, and I think the participating candidates in the twelve years have raised over five million dollars in campaign contributions under four hundred forty-five. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying, Aaron, is that the other people that the contributions are larger? Yeah, and and they still have to be a thousand, right? that thousand. Get, can they get the PAC money though, unlimited?
1: Uh, there are limitations that are set up by the state, but they can accept money from political action.
0: Is it still a thousand, or is it can, they, can you get I believe more? Believe it's fifteen hundred for a municipal, okay. municipal race. Okay. So why does that matter? Cuz some people would say nowadays 1000 versus 40 45 is not such a big
1: deal. Well, it's the number of voices in the conversation, right? Like mm-hmm. so if you look at the report, you know, over the past, you know, 10 15 years, um, the candidates ha- who are participating and the candidates who are not participating seem to have raised about the same amount of money. But the difference is that for non-participating candidates it came from sixteen hundred sixteen thousand 16,000 total contributions, mm-hmm. right? But for participating candidates, there were forty-seven thousand voices involved mm. in that in that donation. Um, you know, so you're multiplying. Although some of those
0: people are double, triple counted, right? If someone gave to, I mean,
1: some people do donate multiple times. Yeah. Um, but
0: still, your point is well taken. It's a lot more
2: people. But
1: but the same people who were going to donate multiple times to a participating candidate might donate multiple times to a non-participating
2: yeah. candidate. And and that's a it's a deeper level of civic engagement when people are making a small donation Uh, Mm. i mean we want everybody to vote obviously and and that's an important aspect of civic engagement but when somebody gives a donation of 10 25 50 dollars they're they're deepening their engagement in the political process so we see that and and other public financing programs across the country use that as a very important metric the number of registered voters who are also getting engaged in the process as donors so since we've uh, you know, adopted public financing in New Haven, we've, we've been able to raise that percentage from less than 1% to, like, 3% of our registered voters are now donating in campaigns. And now, we see that as a sign of, of the Democracy Fund promoting more robust civic engagement.
0: In I New wanted Haven. to ask you about that. So we kind of in nonprofit media, they often say they want us to raise... They use a similar argument to yours, Aaron, in nonprofit media. They say they want us to raise a lot of small donations just to have people invested so is the idea if you're giving 10 to 25 dollars you're more invested you're going to pay more attention because some people would say that it's not about money some people would say it's about voting and showing up to debates or talking to people or volunteering at campaigns but your argument similar to the media argument is if someone shells out a small amount they might not have a lot of money that's showing they're they have more of a stake in an election yeah, I mean, we see that as empowering them, and
2: and just to go back to what you said before about the takeaway being that this is working. I mean, I agree with that, um, but there are some conclusions in the report that show that there's more work that we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the De- Democracy Fund has not solved the problem of political inequality in New Haven of certain well, we'll or affluent one, neighborhoods. What, what
0: neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah,
2: it, but I mean, the 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 point is that um, you know the. None of these problems are easily solved. There's no magic bullet solution. Um, there are some changes that we probably should make with our program to e- create an even deeper level of political engagement. Well, the Buckley engagement. versus
0: Vallejo, the fact that you can't require people to participate? How does one address that problem? How, how big a deal is that that someone... Well, although we found in this election the candidate who did not participate, who brought in larger checks from out of town ended up raising less money than the people who participated. I found that very interesting.
1: I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with public perception, right? When you have public buy-in into a program like this, Mm. then, you know, the people basically tell somebody who's interested in running for office, if you want to be considered as a serious candidate, you should participate in the program. Mm. It's beneficial to you. You will most likely, and in almost every single instance, raise more money overall if you participate than if you don't. But also we're going to view that as a measure of you know political literacy. Do you understand the program? Do you, are you willing to do the things that are required of this program of participation that you know we value, like keeping really good records for your <laughs> fine, financial, yeah. you know, expenditures know and that, and yeah. fundraising, right? And so as a result. You know, it, it's now become more and more the default to be a participating right. candidate than to not.
2: It is this thing, yeah. Well, I, I, I just said, one of the other things that we require in addition to participating debate is we require that candidates file electronically into the state's ECRIS database, which mm-hmm. is a much more transparent mm-hmm. uh, system for people who want to look at who's giving to who, not just in New Haven, but across the entire
0: the you know, at Ali's point, I've noticed that about the default. So I've talked, to, you know, off the record. I'm not going to name everyone, of course, or give clues. But, you know, politicians say to me, you know, well, if I participate, does that help me or hurt me? But on the one hand, I'll get public money. On the other hand, I can't raise all this money I think I'm going to raise it from other people. How much does the public recession matter? How much do the people care? And who cares? like what kind of voters are gonna care? You know, Sarah, you've seen this question from both sides. You've been, Mm -hmm. you're on the Board of Democracy Fund, you've worked on campaigns. How do you think that gets viewed inside campaigns? Is there a sense that it helps you more in the money you might give up by not getting a bigger check, you'll get more support from people who see that and you might even raise more money in the end?
3: Yeah, from a branding and marketing perspective, I think that candidates that do choose to participate see that benefit. Uh, The fund has been around long enough that the types of people who participate in a mayoral election um, in a city that, let's be real, normally goes with one political party. So you have a lot of people who don't feel like they want to even bother showing up to vote or participate because they assume a Democrat is going to win no matter what in a city like that. um, What is the motivation for an average citizen to care about the race. And I do think that buying into the Democracy Fund, candidates do make that decision. It's it's good marketing and branding. It's the people who choose to participate in primaries in New Haven do
1: put a value on it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so you think it's bad on both sides. So that's, yeah. in some ways, that's a non metric evidence of success.
1: I, I think it's also um, an interesting tool that people use when they're fundraising.
0: Right. Because Come on, we want to make the democracy fund. We yeah. want to
1: make sure that we can get our 200 individuals from New Haven. We want to make sure we can raise our $5,000 and, you know, get, get our match, get our grant, help us do this. And and not even, I mean, you mentioned, you know, trying to raise small dollar contributions from people for the radio station or for, you know, the the independent And um, how much more successful are you when there's somebody willing to match those donations two to one?
0: Right. Which we have news match, yeah.
1: Right. And so, you know, there are tons of people who are like, well, you know, I'll give you the maximum matched contribution because you'll get two to one and it it makes my dollars more powerful. Um,
0: And to to Aaron's point about civic engagement, I saw in the report that in Hartford fewer than 0.5% of the people donate to campaigns we in New Haven, as we said, it's more than three percent. Three percent still isn't that big a number.
1: Well, there are other programs across the country that you know have better uh, return, better participation rates. Um, unfortunately, they have different formats for their public campaign. finance. Do they
0: have more competitive elections? Like in New Haven, we have well now we're going to move to four year, so more is going to be at stake. Right. But you know, the way it was kind of looked at by the people running for office is like, okay, every two years you're running. And a lot of years, you're not going to have serious opposition, but if New Haven's concerned about something, corruption in 99, in 2001, school reform in 2009, 11, about uh, wanting some change with that, 2013, a changing the guard after 20 years, and then other years, there isn't as much reason to participate. But the other cities are more participation because they're more competitive.
2: There are so many variables involved in voter turnout. I mean, we would love to have been able to show in this report that the Democracy Fund was leading to this inexorable rise in voter turnout in New Haven. But, I mean, as you suggested, there are just so many different things going on. There's corrupt. There's corruption scandals. And when, when, there's when the presidential elections, lanes. we
0: get some more of our people. They just care more about those elections yeah yeah
2: exactly you have off years you have all of these these different variables so there's just so much statistical noise is that we you know we can't we we think that there is a positive correlation between public financing and voter turnout it's just there's so much going on in the data that um you know it's it's hard to make that case with, with
0: there's
1: why also do, why a you lot going th- on why the national think, why level. do you
0: think there's a correlation what do you base that on
1: because people are literally buying in um because there's you know when you have uh more conversations with more people no i get
0: the theory but is mean, there any evidence about numbers and how you pick which campaigns to compare them to you know like you can't compare 2013 to 2005 you can't compare 2019 to 2021 you know
1: there um i mean there are some so so if you look at this you know, report that we put together, you will see that there are years where there are huge spikes, right? Um, and that there are huge spikes for non-participating candidates versus participating candidates because of who was competing in those elections. Um, and, you know, we we don't really compare all of that weighted equally, um, but there, but by tracking the changes over time, um keeping in mind the, the different levels of competition in each of these races, you know, we do see certain trends.
0: We're talking about trends with public financing, clean elections in New Haven with the folks in the democracy fund here on WNHHFM state line, New Haven talking about participation. I'm also thinking of candidates. One of the goals of democracy fund was to enable more people to run for office and be able to mount a serious campaign, even if they're rich or don't come from a wealthy network of national consultants. And um, what, what do you see that with Sarah? Do you feel like, cause like, I've kind of, with a non-scientific way, felt that democracy funds had a huge impact. As I look at Jeffrey Karikis in 2011, who mounted a serious campaign against entrenched incumbent and kind of sent a message. I mean, it helped from the Unite you know, Here people, which wasn't financial. But, you know, Liam Brennan uh, did, did qualify in, in the democracy fund. Primary. What what do you what do you think, Sarah, about in terms of if we're getting or enabling more people to run, which is an important goal?
3: Yeah, absolutely. As someone who lived in New Haven since the nineties and had personally a perception that there was no point in voting in the primary because I didn't have a voice or the democratic choice was preordained in this democratic town. I think that you have seen people wage pretty um, aggressive campaigns in the past couple of cycles, and they knew that they could do that because they would be able to raise a certain amount of funds. And the idea
0: is that even if you don't match them, you need a certain amount to run. Is there a sense of how much you need to run in New Haven for mayor to be a serious candidate? Does democracy fund get you there? I I like the way that you have to meet certain benchmarks so it's not just everybody in the street can get it.
3: The benchmarks are great because they demonstrate at least a base amount of support. I mean, it's no small thing to get uh, that many people to donate even $5 for your cause. That's a commitment.
0: In terms of enough money, uh, Aaron or Allie, any sense of if this gives how much you need? How much do you need to win mayor in New Haven yeah I mean th- there's there's been a lot of political science research
2: on this and I think the studies show you, you know to be competitive you need about two dollars and fifty cents or maybe three dollars per
0: registered voter and how many registered voters do we have I think we have seventy seventy four thousand how many Democrats
1: about half of that a little more than half a lot of folks in New Haven are unaffiliated
2: okay so, and, and that's to be competitive. I mean, you're never going to be able to.
0: So, you need 100000 bucks in the
1: primary. $100,000 in the
0: general. And how much do you get if you're running? Uh, how much do you generally get if you get running?
1: So, from the Democracy Fund, you'll get a $23,000 grant for the primary, a $23,000 grant for the general election, but you also get matching funds. So, for example. Um, in, uh, this year's election, uh, Mr. Brennan, who you mentioned received $36,000 from us. Um, Justin Elliker, who participated in both the general and the primary received a total of 98,000.
0: So, and it, then how much did they get total, were they able to get total while bonding to, by the limits, not just from the democracy
1: fund? So they're also able to raise up to $445,000. Right. So how 000, much did Brennan get
0: totaled, do you know?
1: But they don't raise that. I mean, they don't get up that high. Ren raised over 100000 on his own. So he got
0: what he needed. This didn't limit him from getting the 100000 he needed.
1: Yeah, he no, had, certainly not. He,
2: he had enough to be competitive. And that's what we're trying to provide. Is We're not trying to provide an amount of money that's going to be equivalent to what in a hypothetical self-funding candidate who's incredibly right. wealthy, a Linda McMahon-type candidate. But you don't need that. I mean, it's like Dan Malloy. Well, we saw
0: that over in our four gubernatorial elections with Republicans who self-funded. Ned Lamont self-funded, but Dan Malloy beat Uh, Richard uh, Tom Foley who self-funded right and uh, And he's able
2: to get enough money exactly I mean some of these candidates were outspent four or five to one by like Linda McMahon who spent 50 million right but But there's diminishing returns there's very Very. rapidly diminishing returns so what we're trying to provide is just the amount that you need to get your message out if you're a credible candidate okay Mm -hmm. we're not trying to get you to compete with the self-funders that they're allowed to spend as much as they want according to the Supreme Court but we just want you to to have the resources, and if and you're a you self-funder, that
0: usually means you have no perspective on what you need to do. And if you had to win anyway, <laughs> but that's another story. With the well, eight I mean, last one, of, one of the things that, that is
1: great about participating in the Democracy Fund is it really incentivizes you to talk to registered voters,
0: which has to do with debates. So, if not for Democracy Fund, all the people who run do not have to go to a debate. So, if you participate, you have to show up to one Democracy Fund debate, to which you have some kind of rule by who gets to participate, which is a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the people who you maybe aren't going to really have a serious campaign might have something to say. Are you maybe, thinking of a particular I'm not, I'm not, recent debate? I'm actually, <laughs> no, I'm actually thinking of 2013 and one debate where two people who were long shots were nice people. Mm. You know, they, they sometimes got a little crazy and there were two out of four. It wasn't democracy, it was in the primaries. And people kind of felt like I wanted to hear more from the people who were going to maybe win. But then you can argue sometimes that the long shots contribute so much. Like Wally Grigo ran for mayor in 1991, um, 90, I think, or 90, 93. And he really didn't have a good chance, but he had a lot of energy. But he raised some issues that changed, and then Kevin in the general election, changed how the incumbent governed because of the debates. He actually got um, mileage saying that we should put a mall in Longworth rather than downtown, which we then disagreed with later, but that's what the mayor, then he, he was running against, took that, or Kevin Skeese said we should sell our liens to our... Um, to the, the, the tax liens so that we can fund some big projects like jersey city did and then the mayor did that and that got him in trouble too so maybe democracy's well, not so good my though.
2: inclination is 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 to err on the side of including the quote-unquote french yeah. candidates i mean the problem is like at least nationally the the threshold used for inclusion usually is tied to polling and we just
0: don't have access to that in New Haven. but you say you have to make the, the ballot which is which is a fair right you have to make the ballot to participate
1: Yeah, I mean, it it requires you to collect a certain number of signatures to have shown that you have, you know, boots on the ground, done some footwork, you know. There is a level of of participation um, that should be required in order to not just have the stage be open up to anybody.
0: And then Aaron, uh, cut him short before, just kind of wanted to wait to the positive findings then get to the challenges. He talked about the challenge of how you distribute uh, participation. 42% of the... the, um, contributions have come from East Rock and Westville. Those are two neighbors, the big neighborhoods, but they're not 42% of the wards of the city. I think often if you throw in the East Shore, eight, uh, wards 18, 17 18, a 18, like that's also where a lot of the votes come from. I mean, basically Justin Elliger is the mayor of East Rock and Westville. I well, mean, so silly. what did you find out? Is that, so is the fact that Aaron pointed out that that means there's work left to be done, that so much of the money is coming from two neighborhoods, if so much of the participations come from those two neighborhoods, are you sort of in a catch twenty two there yeah. well as I said before, I mean there's a lot more work that needs
2: to be done, and there's uh there's no magic bullet solution, there's no panacea to the political inequality here that said. Forty-two percent coming from two. I think it's actually three. It's. I mean, it's East Rock, Prospect Hill, and right and Westville. It's, it's still better to have that, to that that those yeah. donations coming from New Haven residents rather than yeah. from developers and city contractors who live in. And
0: there's a lot more wealth
2: in those Simsbury.
1: Well, that's why part of the report was to do an analysis of the poverty rate in, you know, in conjunction with these donors. It also matters, you know, where the candidates are coming from. You'll see a big spike in the Eastern, in the East Shore contributions uh, in 2021 because John Carlson was a participating member, um, and that's where he hails from. You'll also see, you know, no, he
0: hails from City, He's from City Point,
1: City Point, but he he gets but a lot of his support from Republicans. Th- that are, that area. There are
0: still Republicans in these shirts. Yes,
1: um, and then you'll also see um, in uh, 2013 that there were more than usual um, contributions coming from Beaver Hills. Um, you know, because you had some individuals that were coming from there. You know, this past time around there were more contributions that came from Beaver Hills because Shafika Gusert lives, you know, on Winthrop. Um
0: so Aaron, is that something you say is more work to be done, or is it just that the political system has more work to be done and you guys are just in place so that people if someone's running from Beaver Hills or the East Shore they'll they'll be involved. Well,
2: we want to level the playing field even more. And if you look at how different programs are structured across the country. Um, and you look at some of these cities like Seattle and now Oakland that are using these vouchers or what they call democracy dollars Th- mm-hmm. that's what they were called when it was first put on the ballot in in Seattle they were kind of the pioneer in this and I think they have been able to reduce this effect where you see this you know negative correlation so how, does between the, how the did democracy dollars work so with the democracy of dollars and 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 uh, you know um, Ali can take a crack on this as well because she was just at the um, you know uh, public financing conference, and so I'm sure there's more fresh fresh in her mind. But the way that it's structured in Seattle is they give every voter four twenty five dollar vouchers, right? They have no cash value, but you can distribute that to one candidate that you want, mm. or you can give them to different different candidates. Says, but
0: you said two hundred fifty
2: dollars? twenty five dollars. So even if you have no resources, you're you're completely broke you're at the the bottom of the socio-economic
0: pyramid well, you're anyone, still a mid, mid-level donor cheat out there, do food stamps because someone buy them for you if you're junky junkie and half on the dollar so you can buy drugs and then somehow cast that in uh-huh. that you would even think about that paul well, that has been happening but... in new haven with with uh no i've been noticing some stories lately. i was looking into where like I... people do that with the with the food stamps it's kind of
2: yeah, I, I don't I I don't know. I, I haven't seen any research about what the street value of these vouchers in <laughs> Seattle, but I don't think that's been a problem. But what they have found in Seattle is, you know, this is getting your donor rate up to like ten percent, eight to ten percent oh, okay. of your registered voters. Oh, so really? it's really, yes. really okay. leveling the playing field and empowering those small small donors. So I think if we had the resources to do that in New Haven, I think that would start to chip away at some of these these well, That's a great idea. Yeah. Would you like
0: us to do that?
3: Yeah. And speaking of resources, you know that um, people can make donations to the Democracy Fund. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, Ali, will you?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, we have one primary funding mechanism, which is through uh, a uh, allocation through the mayor's office and the Board of Alders. But we take uh, income in other ways as well. And one of them is direct contributions to the fund. Um, And it is something that we're trying to explore in the future so that it's not just tax dollars that are going into funding our local elections, but that we're, you know, using some of the same principles um, as what we're espousing and that's trying to get small dollar contributions from people in the community to who believe in the program
3: so maybe there's a millionaire out there who wants to finance Aaron's dream of democracy dollars and yeah. get that get going we can demonstrate it for one cycle and get some data to show that it works and,
0: it's a great idea yeah. so now one another job you have in democracy fund is to make sure people follow the rules and we had a case this time where one of the candidates' participating ballot fund very blatantly broke the rules. So you have a rule, and I'm just going to read it. It says that you may not, if you get money from the democracy fund, the money you spend, quote, shall not include, quote, expenditures to support or oppose any ballot measure. So there was a candidate got your money who put out a flyer that all it did, over and over and over again, was support a ballot measure. It didn't say vote for, him for mayor. It didn't say here's a whole list of things i stand for in my platform because of course you could do a platform all it said was vote for this ballot measure so it wasn't a gray matter even though he said it was you were faced with a case with slam dunk someone broke your rules you gave them money the rules were there they didn't do it but then you voted 5 to 1 to say no biggie you didn't do a violate why you guys are on the
3: why why did you guys vote that because it wasn't a slam dunk and um,
0: what was we, w- w- so if, the, if it says you should not spend money, quote, on expenditures to support or oppose any ballot measure, and the money was spent only over and over again on a flyer says support this ballot measure. What's the so, gray area?
3: So, again, it wasn't a slam dunk. And, you know, we have a board that's made up of Democrats, real Republicans, because I know <laughs> there's been some questions about whether our Republicans are real. And I can assure you. From my personal conversations with my fellow board members they are real so um there was a robust discussion and it wasn't a slam dunk and there were well, a- we don't know
0: what the discussion was because you guys did it in private why no, it, in our second meeting,
2: all of the issues were laid out. I think mm. we went extensively over all of the legal and constitutional issues that were involved here, and all of the contextual here, the time you did, yeah. issues. So I think everything was 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 out and out in public in in the second meeting, and we didn't get a lot of public participation in that meeting but i would urge people to go and look at the recording
0: so what was the gray matter? because i'm still trying to figure it out because if this isn't a slam dunk how can anything ever be a slam dunk
2: can i just say one thing that when you're dealing with potentially finding a political actor for the content of their political speech that's a very 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 serious issue that raises all kinds of First Amendment issues, constitutional questions. So there's really no such thing as a slam dunk. So what you're and I can here point is that maybe,
0: d- so that maybe you can't have the rule. He totally violated the rule, but you're saying it might not be constitutional for you to put any rules.
2: Well, that for me, that w- that was a big issue that that informed my decision. Is I had some grave questions uh, 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 like about some currently pending state. Constitutional cases, right. Markley v. S. E. E. C. SEC. So you're about saying about the validity
0: of. So you're saying, therefore, if we give money, you you really can't stop them saying anything.
3: I don't think that's the case, and I do. Well, but, but isn't that what Aaron just said?
0: It's not that you you can't stop
2: them from saying saying anything. I mean, some regulation obviously is is always valid, but you 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 have to take a, a give incre- very very wide latitude, right? And there are specific legal tests that are set up in cases like FEC versus Wisconsin Right to Life, Supreme Court case from two thousand seven. Basically saying, you know, you have to give such wide latitude that if anybody could possibly interpret this as being an issue advertisement versus a candidate advertisement or a candidate advertisement versus an issue, adver- if, if anybody could possibly plausibly interpret it that way, you have to give the benefit of the doubt to the candidate because... This is protected speech, and we, we, can, we have to not interfere with that. Right? So is
0: there a need now to let people who donate to the Democracy Fund know that despite what we've told you for um, 15 years, if you give money to this candidate, they might not spend it to promote their candidacy. They might spend it to promote a ballot measure you don't agree with. Well,
2: I think there were some other issues, too, and Sarah and Allie can, can talk yeah. about those. I mean, the, there's a whole context about the candidate thinking that, that he was following um, That's the advice my dog ate that, the that he... That's I
0: mean, who cares if he thought that? Well, well
2: so- th- th- there is an issue. I mean, we're generally not looking at intent. These are civil infractions, and yeah. intent is not really uh, part of it. But there, there is a larger context, and we are talking about the candidate... Uh, you know reaching out proactively to get certain to to get advice yeah, I and mean, that but then did he i think someone inform.
0: reached out who heard something who heard something back so he played telephone he didn't have enough intellectual curiosity to understand it well is you may it? not buy it paul but I there sure were democrats
2: independents it. and republicans on mm-hmm. our board who who mm-hmm. did buy that explanation so i think that's important for the so public if to go know I and as rob well.
0: a store because i asked someone to ask the cops is it okay if i rob on mondays rather than wednesdays and the guy I misunderstood what my friend told me.
1: But see, that's the thing. My intent
0: was okay so I can go rob the store on you, Wednesday. Well, he's not the, your
1: friend. You you were paying him for the advice. Yeah.
0: So he should maybe pay some other people. It's not your problem.
1: So two things I want to
3: clear up. One is that Allie is our administrator, so she yeah, doesn't she did, get yeah. to vote. It's only those of us on the board that get to vote. So people should know that, first of all. And secondly, there's way more nuance to it than that because we do have part of the rule where people can talk about their platform. And so those of us on the board found ourselves in a position where we saw a candidate who did their due diligence to try to ask repeatedly and ask multiple different times, multiple texts, multiple different people. Are you sure I'm doing this correctly? And they were advised that they were. And there is the nuance that candidates are allowed to talk about their platform. And so we as a board Again, Republicans, Independents, and Democrats from across the spectrum did not feel like this was a slam dunk. And that's so then why are you going to was...
0: keep this rule? Because this rule now says something specific. And you're basically telling me that you can't enforce this rule. So why is this rule still there? Well,
1: so there's, there's two different things. The first is, is it possible that what he was trying to put out in that mailer was a position piece on a topic? right? They don't necessarily have to have their entire position on a piece. You can say, I'm pro this, I'm pro that. There were other things that were on the ballot that, you know, he may or some other candidate may have felt needed their own mailer. Um, and he did ask for, you know, people to vote for him as a candidate. No, his but, picture but, but was on there, from his him. logo was but on there. From him. And it... then on the top of it, he also did say, you know, people ask me what my opinion is. This is my opinion.
0: The big slogan was vote this vote this over again vote this but in so, case, if you
1: were on the board you would have voted differently
0: no no but but why you is know? this rule still here if
1: well so there are a lot of rules you, in that document because ever, this, that document hasn't been updated who, since 2009 so in it's, the
0: future when i give money on democracy Fund, mm-hmm. should i understand that and it's not a big deal i think it might be okay to put out that flyer personally but should i know from now on that this is not a rule that can ever be enforced so a candidate really can can put out that piece
2: well, you know, we've been trying to make some changes to the ordinance for about two years now. Unfortunately, we have not had the opportunity to st- start that process and getting it getting into the nitty gritty with the Legislation Committee, the Board of Alders, but changing that language to be a little bit. Uh, more specific to avoid this kind of issue in the future, yeah, I think that is something that we'll be looking
0: at. And it's a very tiny issue. I know I'm nitpicking here. Well,
1: I think there, the I big mean, there picture... are other issues in that ordinance that yeah. haven't been resolved because it hasn't been changed since 2009. What else would you
0: like to see changed?
1: I would like to close close that exploratory loophole. Um, I would. Like what is that loophole? Where you can set up an exploratory campaign, spend all of the money from your account, and then start up as a democracy fund candidate, Uh with 0 dollars in your coffer having spent however much you raised in an exploratory and still be considered a good clean participating candidate. Um, there are other mm-hmm. things that are in that ordinance that have now been deemed unconstitutional. Um you know there's a there was a provision originally in the document that if somebody had gone over spent more than the maximum uh, total allowed for a candidate that you know candidates could come back and request more dollars or we could you know raise the limits for their contributions. Um, You know, that has been deemed unconstitutional. You know, you can't you can't do that. Um, So there's, uh, you know, there are things in that legislation that, you know, aren't accurate anymore. We also want to reset the contribution amounts you know we think that they've they've been adjusted for inflation they've been adjusted for inflation multiple times and 445 might be a little bit too much maybe we should go back down to 400 like it was a couple years ago and then start from there you know create a new benchmark so that it is again you know smaller dollar contribution what about other
0: races any thought about um I don't know if we need alders really because there isn't much money in an alder race. We put
1: together a pilot program concept for alders where it was basically a democracy fund pledge where they would promise to do all the financial filing and then basically get a you know a good government sticker. Um, Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then you know, but but you know whether or not we want people to you know have grant money to run for alder is a you know concept that i I don't think many people would support but we do want to include other citywide offices you know board of education should potentially be included registrar Mm. voters city clerk um those might all be things that people would be interested in and we might get more you know uh, diverse candidates running for those offices if there was a program like this well
0: even though i gave you such a hard time for rolling over for justin elker i think guys did a great job as this report shows that uh you're really getting a lot more people involved. We're the only one in the state. You were just in Kansas City talking about this. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so I went to the uh, a conference on governmental ethics and law and was uh, invited to be on a panel with you know, one of the program managers from Seattle, um, Maine's public finance program, uh, and Arizona's public campaign finance program. Um, as well as the city of Albuquerque. And so we were talking about different program models, and I was representing uh, New Havens because we're the only hybrid system in the country. Um, So by that I mean we provide matching funds and we also provide a grant. Many programs either do a single grant or they do matching funds. Some, like Seattle, do a voucher program. Um, And so we were representing our model and, and there were other people, you know, across the country who thought that that model was really great because it means that you don't necessarily have to give out a ton of money in matching funds. New York City, for example, gives out an eight to one match um, for your contributions, wow. and then, then there are some programs that give out you know fifty to hundred thousand dollars in grants, and that you know is also I- incredibly expensive. But um, you know a hybrid program allows you to not give out as much money necessarily, but have the same or more impact because you're you're asking for people to talk to many people, and you're asking them to report cleanly.
0: And what about, like, in Connecticut? Any hope now? You think with the scandal in Bridgeport, people, are anyone calling you up and saying, hey, you guys did a good job a generation ago when there were questions about ethics in New Haven. You did this first in the state, really successful democracy fund. Anyone calling you to say, help us set it up there?
1: There have certainly been in the past, and, and people in Bridgeport have given us a call in past years. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um...
0: This year, they're a little busy, or...?
1: It seems like they might be a little busy.
2: I'd heard in the past that, that uh, Joe Gannon was actually was interesting. In, I know, but, I know. I heard that
0: too. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we're hoping at some point
2: to ha- host in New Haven a conference of uh, public financing administrators to kind of get out the publicity, get out the word about this to other cities in, in Connecticut and let them know that we're all about. Not just progressive civic experimentation, but also about pizza and lots of other great things.
0: And the peanut. Because I would argue that the Democracy Fund and the peanut roundabout are the two most exciting, distinctive things that make me proud to be a New Havener. Amen. So keep up the good work. Spread the word. And how should people get involved?
1: Uh, We do have an open board member position for a registered Democrat, independent, or Republican, um, which is very, very rare. Um, Information is on the city website, and we have our monthly board meeting tomorrow night. Um, You can attend in person at City Hall or via Zoom. Where on
0: the website will we find that info? Uh,
1: Go to uh, cityofnewhavenct.gov, and then Democracy Fund is its own link.
0: All right. Well, keep up the good work, folks. Thanks to Ali Hymer, and Aaron Good at the Democracy Fund. And the new report you can read, they'll be, we're going to put it in the Independent this week. You can read it there. I think it was a good read. New Haven Democracy Fund Progress and Metrics. Thank Thanks to Harry Dros for working the controls. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing. I wish I knew how it feel to be free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night long at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio.